Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. It has been called the parable of all parables. It's been called the key to unlocking all other parables. And it may be one of the two or three most well-known parables that Jesus ever told. It is the parable of the sower. And Lord willing, including this morning, for the next four Sundays you're going to hear the same scripture reading that you heard this morning. Because we're going to spend some time in the parable of the sower to understand what Jesus would have us to know. Of course, we know what he would have us to know in part because it is one of the few parables that Jesus took the time to actually explain or to give an interpretation for us later in Matthew chapter 13. And if you have your Bible this morning, I hope you'll open to Matthew 13. We'll be in that text pretty much for the entirety of our time, both in the parable itself as well as in the explanation that Jesus gave a few verses later. Most of you know that our theme for this year is one word, the word of Christ. And on Sunday mornings, we're considering the words of Jesus. And for most of this year, we spent some time, just one passage at a time, going through these things. But as we begin to wind down 2017, I wanted us to pause for a few weeks to think about this absolutely fascinating story that Jesus told. I think a lot of times we take this parable, and because it is so brief, just nine verses including the introduction in Matthew chapter 13, we sort of put it all in one lesson, maybe one Bible school lesson or one sermon, and because Jesus explained it in just a handful of verses, we just run to that explanation, we go away, and that's all there is to it. But I want us to take the time the next four weeks And think about each of those types of soil about which Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 13. And to ask, as you see on the screen, sort of as a a subtitle to this whole series, how receptive is your heart? It is very easy to look at the parable of the sower. And because we know it well, most of us do, or once we've read it and we kind of get in our mind what's going on, it is very easy to think, well, I'm the good soil, who are the other three? But may I remind you that when Jesus gave this parable in Matthew chapter 13, the people who were listening to him were all religious people. Meaning each of the four kinds of soil mentioned in Matthew chapter 13 were in the audience that Jesus was speaking to on that day. Is it possible that even this morning, as we're gathered in a house of worship, that we have each of the four kinds of soil represented? Or at the very least, is it not possible that each of us can be tempted toward one of the three, if you please, bad kinds of soil in this parable? And so we're going to put on the brakes and spend four weeks in this one parable thinking about what's going on 
as Jesus gave it. But I want you to to think for a moment as we introduce just this whole series, just for a few moments. I want us to think about that whole concept of parables. Heavenly stories, earthly stories, excuse me, with a heavenly meaning. The word literally means to cast alongside of. And the idea behind the word parable, to cast alongside of, is that Jesus would take something that everyone knew or everyone saw or everyone experienced. And he would then lay aside or cast beside it a spiritual, a heavenly, a kingdom truth. So that then every time someone saw that again or experienced that again, they couldn't help but think of what that man those years ago said when he told some story about a sower or about wheat and tares or about a treasure in a field or about fishing, casting a net into the sea or about a prodigal son. And on and on the stories go. In Matthew chapter 13, there are nine of them. But the first one, the parable of the sower, is the key to all of them. But it's interesting that they were not intended for everyone. Did you notice that the the people ask Jesus in verse 10, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus before that had ended the parable of the sower with that statement, he who has ears, let him hear. That's going to come back into play in our lesson in just a few moments. But they asked him, why are you talking this way? Why don't you just tell us, do this? Or why don't you just tell us, don't do that? Why are you telling stories? And Jesus takes the time to explain that in part. If you look in Matthew 13, beginning in verse 11, Jesus gives this explanation. For to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now notice what he says. This is why I speak to them in parables, verse 13. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now you and I may not talk that way. But do we get the point? There were people who would hear Jesus give these parables and would and would hear the parables for the remainder of what we know as Matthew chapter 13 on that day as Jesus taught from the boat who would not understand because they didn't want to understand. They had ears. They could hear what He was saying. But to actually think through the deeper truths behind what He was saying Well, this was just some nice story about sowing seed. And some works and some doesn't. End of story. I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to understand. If you want to understand. May I remind all of us that to understand the parable of the sower, there are two keys. Key number one is not found in Matthew 13, but in a parallel account in Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, where Jesus told the parable again and explained it again, but there explicitly He said, the seed is the Word of God. Now, it's not explicitly said in Matthew chapter 13, but He said it over and over. He, he, He alluded to the Word every time in the explanation. So we know the seed is the Word of God. That's key number one. That everything we're thinking about has to do with the Word of God. Key number two is to understand that the soils are the hearts of individuals and the receptivity to that word. How were they hearing? Were they hearing? How did they take it in? 
If we can understand those two keys, we can understand the parable of the sower. And even more than that, we understand that Jesus himself gave an explanation. He told us exactly what he would have us to understand about it. In Matthew 13 and verse 18, which we'll get to in just a moment. But using Jesus' explanation and the parable itself, I want us to think this morning about the, the one type of soil in this parable that is the most overlooked, I think. It is the wayside soil or the soil on the path. And the reason I think this one is the most overlooked is because it is easily the one that is most easy for us to say, this has to apply to somebody else. There is no way this one applies to me. I might be tempted at times to be somewhat like the rocky soil that Lord willing will talk about next week or the thorny soil that we'll think about in a couple of weeks. And I really like to think I'm the good soil that we'll talk about in three weeks. But there is no way that this could possibly have any application to people who would come and sit in a pew on a Sunday morning and sing and pray together. Or does it? Three things from this parable that I want us to understand. First of all, consider the very simple fact that the Word is preached. Now, this may seem like an obvious point, but it needs to be said. The wayside soil or the soil by the path is not representing one who has never heard the Word of God. Now, at this point, let me put in a little parenthesis and remind us that those who never hear the Word of God are lost. We need to keep that in mind. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul would write that a couple of decades later, and he would say that when Jesus returns, he would take vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel. And then one verse later in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, he would say that, that the punishment for both of those, those who've never heard and those who don't obey, is the same. They'll be lost away from the presence of God. And so we need to understand that we must be, as we sang a few moments ago, sowing that seed. But remember, this parable is not dealing with people who have never heard. Jesus makes it clear that this is for people who have heard and are hearing. In fact, if you were reading along this morning from Matthew 13, and you come to that word hear, and you're reading in the King James Version, you may have noticed it actually is heareth, with that E-T-H ending. Who cares? Well... That ETH ending in the King James Version reminds us that this is a continual action. This is in the present tense. This is someone who keeps hearing the Word of God. In the context of Jesus' day, this is likely people who had gone out and heard John the Baptist preach. Now they've come to hear Jesus preach, and they're willing to listen to these stories and and the things he's saying. They're continually hearing the truth. This is someone in our day and time who who is willing to open their Bible and read it, who's willing to hear a sermon, maybe in a building, or maybe one you, you pass a link on the Internet to to say, hey, listen to this sermon. They'll listen to something preached. They're hearing, and in fact, they're continually hearing. But did you notice specifically what Jesus said in the explanation, what they were hearing? They were hearing the message of the kingdom or the word of the kingdom. What was it in the day of Jesus that caused people so often to push him away over time? He wasn't the kind of king they wanted him to be. They wanted someone to come in 
to be a military leader, to be a great political figure, and to finally throw off the shackles of Roman rule, to finally reestablish David's literal throne there in Jerusalem, to make Israel a sovereign nation, a sovereign kingdom again, and all of that would take place. And Jesus, well, he came in and bucked the establishment some, so maybe he would do that kind of thing, but then he didn't become a military leader. And he didn't become a significant political figure. In fact, he would look right in the face of a significant political figure of his day later in Pilate, and in John 18 and verse 36 would simply state, my kingdom is not of this world. Everything he talked about had to do with a spiritual kingdom. And they didn't like that. They didn't like that he wasn't going to come along and overthrow Rome. They didn't like this was going to be a spiritual thing, a heart thing, if you will, a soul thing. They wanted a literal, physical kingdom. But they kept on hearing the message of the kingdom. They kept on hearing him talk about it. I don't think there's many of us this morning who would say that that's our problem. I'm not worried about Jesus coming and establishing a literal kingdom. But could we not make an application here that we need to continue through the lesson Are there things that sometimes are preached or taught or we read in Scripture that we keep hearing, but they go against what I think? They go against how I feel. But the key for us to understand at the beginning is the Word is preached. These are people who hear the truth. But number two, and we'll spend most of our time this morning, the heart is closed. They heard it, but Matthew 13, 19 says... They did not understand. Now, you may think it's a bit cold or mean or cruel or something to say that their heart is closed like we have on the the screen when all Jesus says in this interpretation is they didn't understand. Because there are times we don't understand. Some of us just don't grasp things as quickly as others. Maybe... I didn't have a biblical background growing up. Maybe I didn't, wasn't raised in a Christian home. And so some of these terms that, that Christians use, I just don't grasp as quickly. And sometimes people just aren't as quick to grasp certain things as others in general. So how can we possibly say their heart is closed when all Jesus said is they don't understand? That's why we took a few moments to talk about when Jesus spoke in parables and what he said in the middle of that. Why do you speak to them in parables? He was asked in verse 10. It's his answer that's the context to this phrase. If you're in Matthew 13, glance back up and see what Jesus said in verses 14 and 15, utilizing a prophecy of Isaiah. He said, indeed, in their case. Now, whose case? The ones he had just said, having ears they do not hear, having eyes they don't see, they don't understand. In their case. The prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For, here's the reason, this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. I think Brother J.D. McGarvey said it very well many years ago, when he summarized this teaching with these words. He said, the first heart represented by the wayside is one which is too hardened to the word to make any impression. Or you and I might say, for it to make any impression. 
Jesus was saying, these are people who hear and they don't understand because they already have their mind made up that they're not going to understand. That they frankly don't want to understand. They don't want to have their faith challenged. They don't want to have their souls challenged by these teachings specifically about the kingdom. But as we'll understand later, if we continue to read through Matthew, a lot of other things as well. The fact of the matter is, these are people who hear, but there's no penetration by the word. Because their minds are already made up. Are there reasons why that could happen to even us today? Even people who would hear sermons week after week after week after week. Is, is there a reason why our heart could be closed, really? I think there are several. Let me give you three. First, and by the way, these come from J.D. McGarvey as well. At least the, the list comes from them. The first is our heart can be closed by lifeless formality. I sang a song... Check. I prayed along with Tyler. Check. I ate some bread. Check. I took some fruit of the vine. Check. I dropped a check in the plate. Check. I'm surviving a sermon. Check. I'm faithful. And the word has never penetrated a heart yet. Those who listened to Jesus on that day in Matthew 13, had a Jewish background. They had all of those rites and ceremonies. These are probably people who brought sacrifices to the priests. They probably brought those things that the Old Testament law required. They probably took part in in Pentecost and Passover and all those feasts that they were required to take care of. But over time, if we're not careful, those sorts, for them, over time, if they weren't careful, those sorts of things became just rote ceremony. I just do them because I'm supposed to do them. And there's no life behind it. If we are not careful as Christians, the same thing can happen to us. That we still come, we still participate but there's no open heart to hear what's actually going on and to let the word of God have place in my heart because it's just mindless lifeless ceremony instead of true spiritual worship. It can also happen because of simply indifference you can listen to the word of God and believe it if you want to believe it and I can listen to somebody else say something else and If they want to believe that, that's fine with them. And whatever you want to believe is fine. What they want to believe is fine. Everything's just fine. If if they want to believe that baptism is not essential to salvation, well, they still love God. So who am I to say anything's wrong? Who cares? Who cares? God cares. And far too often we are way too indifferent simply because someone has a religious bent or religious background. And we're not willing to let the word of God fill our hearts with enough strength, enough power to speak up for the truth. And to be willing to stand for what really is in Scripture. And then also, our hearts can become cold, obviously, by constant sin and sinful thoughts. Even Christians, if we're not careful, can allow sinful thoughts to creep in. If we don't, as Paul writes to the Colossians, take every thought captive for Christ, if we don't begin to do that, those things begin to take over. And I can come and I can hear sermon after sermon after sermon, and it doesn't make any difference because my, my head isn't here. My, my head's already thinking about some sinful thing I'm going to do later. Or I'm already thinking about what I did this past week. And my, my mind is there. And I, I sing all the songs and I drop a check in the play, but there's nothing in my spirit really in it. May I ask... Can these things not happen even to Christians? Of course they can. And sadly, at times, they do. 
Remember that virtually everyone Jesus spoke to on that day, if not everyone, was Jewish. They were religious people. They, they, they would have had that background. And Jesus was not going to teach this parable about just people who were out there without making it clear that he was. He was going to teach about people who were sitting there listening to them so they could evaluate and think about their own lives and make certain that they were being faithful. If I'm not careful, I can make this type of soil as well as the rocky or thorny, thorny soil just so easy to be somebody else, somebody out there. And the easiest one to make that with is the wayside soil. But Jesus is making it clear that there were people who were hearing his message on that day. They weren't necessarily anti-religious folks, so they weren't hostile to, to religion in general, but they wouldn't let the word penetrate their heart. So knowing that, may I ask how your heart is? Is it open? Is it receptive? Number three. Consider with me from this parable that the enemy is working. Satan, our enemy, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, knows that the word of God is powerful. Paul would describe it as the power of God unto salvation in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. But I love the description of the power of the word of God that you'll find in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, where the writer would go on to say that the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and and a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is really the only thing powerful enough to cut us right to the core, if we'll let it. And folks, if I know that, and if you know that, don't you think the enemy of our soul knows that? He knows that the most powerful thing we can ever see or or hear is the Word of God. And so it should come as no surprise to us then that in the parable Jesus says that birds come along and snatch the seed before it has a chance to to penetrate into the earth, before it has a chance to, to be sown in the heart as Jesus gives it in the explanation. Our enemy does not want a single shred of biblical truth to penetrate into our heart because he knows just how powerful it is and what a difference it can make in this life and obviously in eternity. But it is interesting to me that Jesus represents that in the parable by birds. And you may think, so what? I find it interesting what Jesus does not do in this parable. Did you notice that the seed is laying on that wayside by that path? And did you notice that Jesus does not then say, and a tornado comes along out of nowhere and blows that seed to the the ends of the earth? It's not what he says. He he doesn't say, the seed is lying there on the wayside, and a cyclone like nobody had ever seen in that part of the world all of a sudden just drops out of the sky, and and that seed is picked up and thrown into the clouds, and nobody knows. That's not what happens. He, He doesn't say, an earthquake comes along. And pulls the seed down into the magma of the earth and melts it for all eternity. That's not what he says. And you're what's what's the point? Birds fly through the sky. And birds see that seed on the ground. And birds say, mmm, food. And birds go get it. Jesus uses something natural. Something normal. Something every day these people would have seen to say that's what it's like for the enemy to come along and snatch away the word of God. Remember, he is speaking to religious people. Most of the time, this is a generic statement, I understand. But most of the time, those who would hear the word of God at regular times, such as you are this morning and I am this morning, will not turn away from hearing the word of God because of some cataclysmic event in our life. In fact, 
Many times, that's what would draw us closer to the Word of God because we realize just how weak and fragile we are. For those who would hear the Word of God regularly, are you listening to me? For those who will hear the Word of God regularly, what typically draws the heart away and what typically closes the heart are very natural, normal, everyday things that shouldn't happen But they do. It's the Christian who hears a sermon or sits through a Bible class and hears something taught that they say, you know, I've I've never thought about that that way before. That really challenges my mind. I, I need to study that further. And then goes to lunch and hears the Christians at the next table making fun of the one who taught the Bible class. And their heart is closed forever. It's the Christian who hears a sermon on the use of the tongue and how we we need to be better with our tongue. I think, you know what? I, I haven't been doing that. I need to be doing better. I need to control my tongue better. I need to be careful how I speak and be encouraging and uplifting. And they they decide, you know what? That's what I need to be. And then they get the text message gossiping about the person they sat next to in worship that morning. Very natural, very normal, and it should never happen. Because you may have just closed someone's heart to the gospel forever. It wasn't the cataclysmic event. It was just birds who saw food and decided to eat. Your enemy sees the word of God in your heart. And he attacks because he knows how it will penetrate your heart if given the time to be cultivated, to be watered. He doesn't want you to know the truth. In reality, we know who our enemy is. As we mentioned, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, the devil, your enemy, your adversary, walks around like a roaring lion seeking someone who devour, uh, someone whom to, to devour. We also know, as Paul would write, we are not ignorant of his schemes or his devices. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, that being true, don't we all really deep down know this is one of his schemes? To use very normal, natural things that shouldn't happen to snatch the word of God away from a heart. So now knowing that, may I ask, how is your heart? You see, it's very easy to read through this parable and to jump straight to the good soil and say, That's who I am. And I sure like reading those verses. But if I am not careful, I can so overlook the other three kinds, and again, in my opinion, especially this one, that I just say that has to be somebody else. That has to be somebody out there. Or it has to be somebody who who just really, I know, just does not care. When if I'm not careful, this could be me. A couple of years ago, in our backyard, I always like to say we built a swing set. The truth of the matter is Leah's dad built a swing set and I held the wood because that's all I knew to do. Adam, hand me the wood. Okay, that was it. That was my job. Hold the wood. But we, we built a swing set for the kids. It's been there a couple of years now. Some of you have seen it. You know, we built that thing a couple of years ago. The ground back there was nice, pretty easy to set that thing in the ground, make sure it was safe and so on and so forth. But you, you know what's happened 
to that ground underneath where the swings are, don't you? If I were to go out there this afternoon with a shovel, you probably would need Tyler to preach tonight because I'd probably break my arms trying to break through the soil. I might get down a half inch or an inch. It's not because the kids have been mean to us. They've just swung and played and done what you do on a swing set. What's my point? The day after we built that swing set, you could have gone out there with a shovel and probably dug down as far as you wanted to dig with as much energy as you wanted to use. But a couple of years later, it's like walking on concrete. It has become wayside soil. Becoming wayside soil doesn't happen overnight. It is a slow and frightening process. Because it gets to a point where someone could actually listen to the Savior of the world teach eternal truths and only hear a story about someone dropping seed on the ground. And it may be that there's somebody here this morning who listened to Trey read those verses a few minutes ago and thought, I've heard that before, but it's just a nice Bible story. Oh, no. Oh, no. How is your heart? Have time and circumstances and difficulties and very natural things begun to harden the soil of your heart. If you're still willing to hear the truth, the good news is it's not too late. But the hard news is it's going to take work to break through and to allow the seed of the Word of God to penetrate your heart again. This is a sermon this morning very much geared to those who are already Christians. But I know we have some here this morning who have never become a Christian. The Word of God is what tells us. That's all we follow. And the Word of God tells us to hear it, to believe it, to put our trust in it, to turn from sin, those things would separate us from God, and to say, I don't want to live that way anymore, I don't want to think those things anymore. To confess that the one who told this parable, Jesus the Christ, really is the Savior of the world. And then be immersed, baptized in water for the forgiveness of sins. And the Apostle Paul would write, when we do that, we come out of that water, a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. And all things are new. If you've never done that, this is the morning to do it. But brother or sister in Christ, don't listen to these four sermons these weeks and always be thinking of someone else. Ask yourself, not necessarily am I wayside soil, but am I seeing some things going on in my heart, in my conscience, that are searing me to the truth? And I need to be forgiven. And I need encouragement. Because I want so desperately to be that good soil. Can we pray with you? Can we encourage you through prayer? Can we ask God to forgive you as we pray together? Whatever your need is, will you come while we stand and sing to encourage you?